Hey, we are so thankful that you're taking the time to tune into Grumwatt Church's podcast. It's our hope that this is an encouragement to you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you'd like to find out more about all things Grumwatt or for more info on our in-person gatherings, you can check us out at grumwatt.com. Now lean in. We're expectant for how God is going to use this time to speak to you today. Well, good morning and welcome to Grumlaw Online. We are so glad that all of you decided to join us here today, especially if it is your first time checking out Grumlaw. We never, ever take that for granted. Honestly, thank you for giving us a shot. And I'd also just like to issue you a bit of a challenge. Uh, Don't let this be a one-time experience. Every single week is unique. Every single week is different. We think it's going to take, honestly, at least a couple of weeks for you to really get an accurate feel uh, of what Grumlaw is all about. And even better than that, uh, as you make this more of a consistent rhythm in your life, I think, again, that this will actually be something that you look forward to. And the God of the universe, in fact, promises us that as we move closer to him, he will always move closer to us. So so keep moving closer to him. Keep exploring. Keep asking questions. uh, Keep moving closer to your risen Savior. Uh, Today, we are heading into part three of a seven-part series titled, and you probably already knew this, Different. And, And in this series, we're answering the question, what makes Grumlaw different? What are those unique convictions that, that, that God has laid on our heart uh, of this church that, that differentiates us from the other 300,000 churches in America? Why did we even start this church to begin with? I mean, aren't there already enough churches around here? Do we really need another one? What's that fire that God ignited inside of a crazy group of people that led us to actually look at each other and say, let's, let's do this. Let's start a church from scratch. And what is it that we've learned in particular over these last couple of years, as is mentioned in part one, that the most dislodging and disorienting season that most of us will likely ever experience? And as God is both reminded and reignited, practically speaking, we're revealing to all of you throughout this series seven church values that, that, that will show you what we're all about around here and what is it that makes us different. Now, those values, as previously revealed to you, are belong before you believe, we uphold biblical truth, contagious joy, live generously, we expect God to move, assume the best, and obedience is the win. So so in part one, we talked about belong before you believe. This is really the filter that we run everything that we do around here through. Is this what is best for the person who's just starting to explore and just starting to lean into this whole conversation regarding Jesus or or is this really what's best for me and, and, and my Christian friends, our, our holy huddle? And we make no apologies about this around here. You can be a part of the Grumlaw family long before you embrace every word that's written in this book. Long before you believe everything that we talk about here on Sunday mornings. For all of you Christians who are sitting here today, we believe actually the greatest factor that, that you should weigh when considering planting your roots in a church, in, in a faith community is, hey, is this a place that I would feel comfortable inviting my lost friends and neighbors and coworkers and, and family members to? Is this an environment where people can ask questions and express doubts and safely explore? Can they truly belong before they believe? And if you weren't here in part one and, and there's something inside of you right now that's kind of pushing back, resisting what I just said, let us not forget the words from Jesus himself when he tells us, hey, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and have not strayed away. 
Jesus meant exactly what he said right here. More joy in heaven. Nothing brings him more joy, in fact, than, than, than a person who is far from him returning to him than over those 99 others who have already got it together, who are righteous and, and haven't strayed away. And so taking our cues from Jesus himself, we invite you to belong before you believe. Now, now the temptation is, when, when you hear a, a value like this vocalized, is is to think that we must be one of those churches that kind of just pick and choose our way through Scripture, celebrating the stuff that falls in line with, with this particular cultural moment, and then we reject the stuff that is kind of offensive or disrupts our preconceived notions. But, but last week, we tackled the value very intentionally, we uphold biblical truth, where we, we very carefully showed you that you can't separate the Word of God from the person of Jesus, to, to, in fact, reject or ignore portions of Scripture is to reject Jesus himself. Central to actually following Jesus is being conformed more and more into his image. More plainly put, becoming more and more like him. Not taking Jesus and conforming him into our image. And why this is so important is, at its core, really, more than anything else, Christianity is about relationship. More than anything, God just wants you, a deep and intimate, a personal relationship with with you. And you can't expect to have a relationship with God unless, unless you know his word. We're quite literally depriving ourselves of the opportunity for God to speak to us when we reject, when we ignore his word. Now, admittedly, that was a very brief overview of those first two weeks. So I would invite you, if you were not here for both or maybe one of those first two weeks, please go catch yourself up at grumlaw.com slash messages or find us under Grumlaw Church, as I say every week, uh, wherever it is that you grab those podcasts. Now, an observation for all of us as I dive into today's value. Uh, One of the areas that I believe society and the evil one, and yes, I believe in the devil, and I believe that he is waging war against you and I, one of those areas that I believe society and the evil one have done a truly masterful job of in in regards to Christianity, uh, arguably the greatest rebrand in the history of mankind, and I actually mean that, is taking following Jesus, something, by the way, that that will bring about your, your heart's greatest desires, peace and contentment and joy and purpose. We're all chasing after that. Following Jesus is meant to bring about that. Again, peace, joy, contentment, purpose. Uh, Bring that to fulfillment, and and society and the evil one have rebranded this to following rules. That that, that following Jesus basically comes down to a bunch of do's and don'ts. And I don't know if you've ever really noticed or or thought about this, but, but following the rules usually does not carry a positive connotation. Following the rules is often interpreted as as boring. It's it's mundane. Rules restrict my life. They tie me down. They they keep me from becoming who I've always wanted to be. Rules are are a drag. You got to follow them sometimes, but as a rule, pun intended, that they're meant to be broken. So so consequently, who in the heck would want to follow Jesus? If following Jesus just means more rules and in turn more restrictions on my life, who would want to jump on board with that? And so the perception, the rebrand from the outside looking in, and it's likely some of you who are just beginning to explore this morning, you maybe carried this perception in here with you today. It's okay, we expect it. That The perception, the rebrand from the outside looking in is that, well, those Christians are all miserable, 
and secretly longing for the day when they finally get to break free. That, that, that because of familial guilt or a belief in the afterlife and that the time on this earth might actually be affecting where we end up or tradition or a begrudgingly rigid adherence to some old book or a fear of hell. We're, we're, we're choosing to live counterculture, but we're all secretly kind of wishing we could get in on the action of what society's up to. We're like the kid in this picture right here, right? We're masked up on the inside. I mean, it's not safe out there in the real world, but we're wishing actually we could go out and enjoy what, what those people are experiencing. We're all cooped up in our Christian bubbles, wishing we could go out, watch porn, get drunk, have sex, watch R-rated movies, and in fact, let our kids watch deplorable things too, like SpongeBob SquarePants. Now, now to be fair, that there, there are definitely some Christians who are living like this, and some of them are actually probably watching right now, but but they certainly don't represent the majority, and, and this is not what Jesus intended. I, I will, in fact, with full integrity, tell you that this isn't the life that I'm living, that this isn't the life that Denise is living, that Trevor is living, that Tommy is living. Those are, by the way, the three people that are always on the other side of this, this camera. This isn't the life that, that God has designed for you. One of begrudging rule following where we sort of put up with our time on this earth until we can get to our reward in the afterlife, at which point we'll, we'll, we'll be screaming down from heaven at everyone else going, hey, we told you so. Ha, we, we knew it was going to happen this way. I mean, sure, life was miserable on earth, but, but now, huh, we, we got it good. No, no, it was Jesus himself who actually told us, hey, I came so that they, they referring to us, you and I, would have life and, and have it abundantly. That that is experience life in, in all of its fullness. Have a rich, have a satisfying, have an abundant, have a content, a, a joy-filled life. And, and that life isn't something that, that merely awaits us in heaven. It's something that, that we're offered right now as, as we follow Jesus. Following Jesus isn't signing up for, for rules. It's an invitation to experience life abundantly. It's an invitation to live a life that is marked by, and this brings us to our, our next value, contagious joy. We're rather than Christians being a bunch of people who are kind of begrudgingly following rules that are restricting our lives, we're instead a group of people who are living our lives in such a way where people lean in and think, I want whatever it is that they're working with. Because they, they seem to have something I don't. That they, they seem to have something that I'm chasing after and it feels like I get it in these short bursts, but eventually it, it fades away. They, they seem to have something that's more sustained. And though, as I mentioned at the top, the evil one, society and culture at large have done a masterful job rebranding Christianity and casting it in a restrictive, boring, judgmental light, we also as Christians, we, we got to bear some of the blame. Because, come on, let, let's just be honest. We're often not showing the world much that, that pushes against that narrative. But becoming cultural Christians as opposed to actual followers of Jesus. Now, now, when I use that phrase, cultural Christians, this sort of pins back to what we talked about last week with progressive Christianity. Cultural Christians, we pick and choose our way through Scripture and, and the teachings of Jesus. And when it comes to what culture is offering, well, we, we embrace just about, let's be honest, 
all of it. I like my Jesus to be full of grace and forgiveness and mercy and love and forget that repentance and dying to self stuff. And I like the bachelor and going to the bar every weekend and buying whatever I want as, as soon as I want it and becoming more and more lax in my commitment to the local church. And wouldn't you know it, you take a step back and your supposedly Christian life looks eerily similar to the life of the person who does not claim Christ. And in that way, we certainly bear some of the blame. We have given the world very much a distorted picture of what it actually means to follow Jesus. And what Jesus invites us into is something drastically different than cultural Christianity. And as I'll attempt to show you with the remaining time that I've left for myself, I think I'm going to show you it's, it's better. Now, let's return to those words from, from Jesus himself that we looked at in John's account of the life of Jesus. John being an individual who's arguably closer to Jesus than anyone else. He writes these words down from Jesus. He says, I came, Jesus talking, so that they, you and I, would have life and have it abundantly. Now, in order for you to, to embrace these words, which, which are an invitation for you to actually follow Jesus, not just believe in him, but follow him, you have to believe that Jesus is actually for you. Because, right, anybody could utter these words. And, and while they might sound nice, unless the individual who, who is saying these words has demonstrated that they have your best interest in mind, that he or she is for you, they're ultimately, right, just just words, which is probably why in the very next breath, Jesus reminds us, he says, I am the good shepherd. Saying, Jesus, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for, for the sheep. And when he's talking about sheep, he's talking again about you and I. He, he who is a hired hand, so he kind of contrasts this, and not a shepherd who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and he, and he flees. And the wolf snatches them and, and scatters the flock. He, he flees because he is a hired hand and he does not care about the sheep. But he says, that's, that's not me. He says, I am the good shepherd and I know my own, you and I, and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I, he says, lay down my life for the sheep. Now, to that original first century audience, those were just, again, words, and it sounded nice, but they had no idea what Jesus was really getting at. But how do we know that Jesus is actually for us? How do you know that Jesus does indeed have your best interest in mind? Well, he, he gave his life for you. You ought not follow someone unless you can trust them. You ought to be weary of, of how for you someone claims to be unless they have demonstrated a love or a commitment to you. And, and Jesus, in the most audacious display of love that this world has ever seen and will ever see, he willingly sacrificed his life for you. See, central to following Jesus, as in, like, don't really go any further than this unless you understand this point. Central to following Jesus is trusting that Jesus is, again, for you. And fortunately for you and I, we don't have to guess about that or cross our fingers and go, oh my goodness, I hope so. No, no he already showed us so when he gave his life for you. This last winter, it was kind of right before the winter in between that fall and 
winter season this past November, uh, my wife and I were quickly putting it together that, that we needed to put a new roof on our house. We were literally like you know, finding these like kind of wet spots in our drywall and going like, oh gosh. And so I had a couple of professionals out and companies out and see if we could just get away with patching it and kind of piecemealing it together for another season. They're like, basically everyone was going, ah, we wouldn't recommend that. You probably need to put a new roof on, especially before the winter and all the snow comes. And so I was going out and getting all the quotes. And for any of you who have put a roof on, it's it's a pretty expensive thing to do, right? Like it's it's like pretty much double than what I actually expected the prices to be and the quotes to be. And some of those quotes that I was getting were from people who actually are part of this church and, you know, kind of work in that world. And um, unbeknownst to me, as I'm going around gathering all these quotes, there was this, this swell of people behind the scenes that were gathering resources and money and people together. Uh, and they had kind of made this plan that they were just going to put the roof on our house free of charge. And so I, I literally come home from church one day. I was stuck around a little bit longer than normal and, and pull into my driveway. And there's like 20 dudes from this church on my roof, uh, a bunch of women inside that are cooking meals. And like, it's just like, there's a big old party going on at our house, a lot of hammers swinging, a lot of shingles flying off the roof. And I'm like, what is happening? Now, on that day, there were some people there that I knew already loved me. I mean, they showed me that in the past. It was like, there was no doubts. Like those people, those families, they, they are all about the Prisk. They love the Prisk family. They, they love this church. They, they love me. But there were other people that day that I'll be honest, it kind of surprised me. People that I knew but didn't really know. People that were newer to the church that if you would have said, hey, there's going to be 40 people at your house, they're going to put on a new roof for your house and donate their time and their money and they're going to be there. They wouldn't have been my first picks. I, I hoped so. I, I hoped they cared about me. I hoped they cared about my family. But, but that day they showed me so. Jesus showed you just how for you he is when he gave his life for you. And then, as we often frame it around here, in light of what he's, what he's already shown you, well, he's proven himself trustworthy, and now he just says, hey, will you trust me in return? Not begrudgingly, but, but with excitement. Not with a longing for that old way of living, but with a trust that is rooted in what he has already done for us. We, we, we choose to follow him, trusting that he has our best interest in mind. Now, just a couple of verses later, Jesus returns to his little sheep illustration. He says, my sheep, they listen to my voice. And, and I know them and, and, they, and they follow me. And, and I give them eternal life and, and they'll never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. See, when we sort of half-heartedly listen to the things that Jesus teaches that kind of already affirm how we're living and what we're already feeling, and then we ignore the stuff that disrupts our lives and, and the lives around us that doesn't really sit well with us, when we don't give the Holy Spirit the space to even speak into our lives while sort of embracing everything that society, that the world offers us, we might not realize this, but we deprive God of opportunities to show us his goodness. And in turn, we, we, we deprive ourselves as well as the people around us the joy that comes from following Jesus. Now, now here's the reality, and one of the tensions that I was feeling as, as God was giving me the words for this message as I was sitting down to write this thing. Um, I could have gone 20 different directions for this particular message. And if I'm being honest, the most obvious path to walk down is a theme that I've heard my, my entire Christian life. And I could have compared and contrasted happiness versus joy. 
Happiness is, is temporary. It's found in circumstances. And when things are going well in our lives, well, then we have happiness. Well, well joy is found in, in, in the Father. Joy is found in Jesus. Joy is found in what Jesus has already done for each of us on the cross. And I'm not saying that that's a bad direction to go, but, but oftentimes it just kind of sounds like Christian motivational speech. Because I think we, we all kind of know that. We know that happiness is fleeting. We know that, that happiness can change in an instant if our circumstances change. And yes, joy is found in Jesus. And yes, while in theory, Jesus giving his life for us on the cross should sustain joy for the rest of our lives, let's be honest, we as human beings are pretty fickle. And when our circumstances change and we're just trying to desperately cling to the cross, usually our circumstances win out which is why I think God was telling me to go this direction, which is why Jesus invites you to follow him. Follow him and experience the joy that comes from seeing God come through. We deprive God of opportunities to show us his goodness. And again, I'll say it again, we deprive ourselves as well as the people around us the joy that comes from actually following Jesus, not just believing in what he did for us on the cross, which he did, but truly following him. The, the, the joy of watching God come through, the joy of exercising our faith and God proving his faithfulness, the opportunities to build our faith, to build our hope, to build our joy. Let me frame it this way. Let's say a new person uh, starts coming to the church one weekend. And, and we have new people that come walking through our doors every single Sunday. And a lot of times, this is actually a real thing. Somebody will run up to me and be like, did you see that person over there that just started showing up? Oh my gosh, and they're so excited. So, so let's say that's the scenario that this young man, Ryan, comes walking through the doors of our church and I don't know him yet, but immediately after service, one person comes up and they're like, did you see that person over there? They're new. And I'm like, oh, that's so great. You know him? Yeah, yeah, I know him. That, that's Ryan. And I'm expecting, you know, for them to express some real excitement that Ryan is there. But that individual goes on to tell me that, man, Ryan, you know, he's just a jerk. He's one of those self-righteous Christians. He's so, oh my gosh, he's so selfish. He's judgmentally so arrogant. I mean, he's a hypocrite, a Pharisee. We know God can change anyone's heart, but jury's out on Ryan. Like we, we just don't know. I'm like, oh gosh, all right. Well, yeah, I guess thank you for telling me that. But then like two minutes after that, another person comes up to me and says, hey, did you see who, who's here today? And I'm like, oh no, oh, Ryan? Yeah, yeah, somebody just told me a little bit about Ryan. They're like, oh, that's great. Ryan is kind. Oh my gosh, Ryan is so gentle. He's so generous. He listens. He's humble. He's patient. I mean, he's exactly the type of person that, that we would love to come walking through our doors. I mean, that's the kind of person that's going to lead groups later. I mean, they're just, oh, perfect. I mean, a leader amongst leaders. And I walk away from that going, well, okay. I mean, that's kind of opposite ends of the spectrum, but some time goes by, about a month. And this Ryan guy, he keeps trying to get together with me. He's sending me emails and texts and he invites my family over for dinner and he keeps waiting for me after church to have a conversation, but I rush out the opposite door. He sends me texts that I ignore. He leaves me voicemails and I never call him back. He sends me emails and I treat him like spam. And about three months goes by without any real interaction with Ryan. And I start telling people that my opinion lines up more with that of person number one who told me about Ryan. I start telling other people, you know, Ryan, he's kind of like, kind of selfish, kind of arrogant. Reminds me a lot of the Pharisees that Jesus let have it, you know, in the gospel accounts. I don't think I like that Ryan guy. Now, would that be fair? Would, would, would any of you agree with how I went about, like, kind of assessing Ryan? Of course not. Yet, think, think about this. 
That is precisely how many, many, many people approach Jesus. Maybe even including you. That you've completely formed your opinion of Jesus based on what you have heard about him from others as opposed to what you have actually experienced in a relationship with him. That, that opinion's been formed from people like me. Sure, some good, right? Like you hear about it on Sunday mornings. Others, not so great. Stuff that you've heard friends popping off about, like on, on Facebook. Maybe it was partly formed by the church that you used to go to when you were a little kid and you were kind of judged walking through those doors and you have all these different opinions and that is what you have formed about Jesus as opposed to actually giving him the opportunity to show up in your life. As opposed to actually allowing him into your life and forming a real relationship with him. One of the most common sentiments that I hear, not from like outside people, but from like church people, is the sentiment of, I wish God would just show up like that in my life. Oh man, I just wish God would do stuff like that. Oh my gosh, it always happens over there, but never, never to me. And and, and as gently as I can say, uh, he would start showing up like that in your life if you would start to be obedient to where it is that he's leading if you would start responding to those convictions that he's laid on your heart, if you would give him that space to actually develop what could actually be called a relationship with him. See, the problem isn't Jesus, it's, it's you. You continually reject his advances. You deny opportunities for him to demonstrate his goodness, his faithfulness. In church, it's right there. When we begin to actually exercise our faith, when we trust God, even though we don't have all the answers, even though we don't have the whole picture, but yet in those moments, we remind ourselves of the massive leap that God has already taken towards us when he gave his life for us. It's right there that that faith is actually built and contagious joy is being formed. It's not the child longingly looking out the window, wishing he could get in on what everyone else is doing. It's instead the world smashing their noses against the glass, wondering what it is that we have. Why is it that those Jesus followers just seem so much more content, at peace, where does that, that contagious joy come from? Not, not that temporary happiness that the world seems to offer, but, but a permanent sense of belonging, a joy that maybe some of you have all but given up on. And so Jesus invites you, he says, hey, why don't you follow me? Because that joy, it comes from a life that is marked by obedience to wherever God is leading. Where you're giving him opportunities to show you his goodness, to demonstrate his faithfulness. Jesus again tells us, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and and they follow me. Contagious joy is built. It is built upon small, daily steps of obedience. 
where we are listening to the good shepherd's voice through his word, through the Holy Spirit, through the local church. We're listening to his voice because we know him, because a relationship has has been built. And so we choose to follow because we know that he can be trusted. And as we actually follow him, we don't just believe, we follow. We experience the joy that comes with following the good shepherd. The good shepherd who is longing to show you his goodness, his his faithfulness. To all of you watching right now, Jesus is inviting you into a different life a better life, a life that is marked by contagious joy. But but if you would like to experience that, it requires more than simply listening, more than simply forming your opinion about Jesus from what you've heard about him. It is a life that is marked by doing, a life that is marked by following. A life that is marked by watching God come through over and over and over again. Demonstrating his faithfulness. Demonstrating his goodness. That is our source of joy. Not in the circumstances of our lives, but resting in the loving, safe embrace of our Heavenly Father. As we wrap this up, I have one question for all of us. This is for everyone, Jesus follower, not Jesus followers. And then I got a homework assignment for for just the Jesus followers who are watching right now. So so first, the the, the question. Where have you been depriving God of an opportunity to show you his goodness, to demonstrate his faithfulness, and in turn, an opportunity to stretch your faith, to actually build your faith? How are you depriving yourself of a life that is marked by contagious joy? This could be a lot of different areas. Maybe this would relate to your finances. And again, I don't bring up finances because I'm after your money, because Grumlaw is after your money, but let's just be honest, as human beings, especially as Americans living in first world country, like, you know, finances, that's usually our last holdout. That's usually the thing that we're, we're most reluctant to give back to God. Maybe it's like God's trying to rein in your spending habits and you're just having a hard time doing that. Maybe God's been kind of pressing in for, for a long, long time. And he's like, hey, do you really trust me with everything? Okay, then give a portion back to me. Maybe it would relate right here to this faith community that you go from simply a tender to owner. We're not simply just showing up and watching this on a Sunday morning, but you begin to participate in what God is doing in the local church. We've been talking about a lot of connect groups here over these last couple of weeks. Maybe it's time to finally get out of the rows of Sunday mornings or off your couch on Sunday mornings and get into a group of people who are actually going to get into your life. Maybe it's serving here at the local church. Maybe, again, for some of you who are watching right now, you've been doing this online church thing for years at this point. It's just become very, very comfortable. Maybe it's time to actually step into community with other followers of Jesus. Maybe God has been pressing in and telling you to step out of a relationship, to, to make a career change. Maybe when we were talking about cultural Christianity, that sort of hit a nerve. What, what, what might God be asking you to forego? Where have you been depriving God of an opportunity to show you his goodness because it feels risky, because it feels scary, because you're, let's just say it how it is, you're unwilling to actually exercise faith.
So, so there's our question, and now some homework, a challenge for the followers of Jesus. Rather than entering into people's lack of joy, point them to the source of joy. Now, here's what I mean by this, and uh, we, are, we do this way too often, and myself very, very much included. Uh, we have these scenarios, these, these conversations usually with friends and family members and coworkers and neighbors where, where they're explaining something to you that is not going particularly well in their life. And they're telling you about how, oh my gosh, we're having this problem with our son or my marriage. It's like really struggling over here. Oh my gosh, my job, my boss, he's just such a pain. And, and what we so often do, even as followers of Jesus, we, we just enter right into that lack of joy. We go, oh my gosh, yeah, my boss, he's terrible too. Oh my gosh, my teenage son, I totally get that. He is being such a pain in the butt right now. And it just kind of becomes this pity party, almost gossip. We're just kind of just, ugh. We come down to their level rather than inviting them up to ours. And I, I want to say, I think we do this for a lot of good reasons, not the least of which being empathy. But, but in our attempt to show empathy, we're depriving those people of who has the opportunity to actually transform their lives regardless of their circumstances. So, so there's nothing wrong with expressing empathy, but rather than just allowing it to be a pity party, be like, oh, man, I know we, we're experiencing like the exact same thing with our teenage son right now. But, but I got to tell you, one of the things that's been exceedingly helpful for, you know, my wife and I is the fact that, man, like Jesus has been carrying us through this whole season. That despite there's been like all this chaos, like we are actually experiencing more peace than we've ever experienced before. Man, I, I know like work can be crazy and, you know, bosses can be difficult, but Ultimately, I just find a lot of peace in the fact that, that I don't ultimately report to my boss. I report to my heavenly father. And, and having that trust, having that peace, having that assurance, it allows me to walk through those days with confidence, even when things are maybe on some rocky ground with my boss. Joy isn't found in what's happening. It's found in what has already happened. The, the God of the universe is crazy enough about me that he gave his life for me. Joy is found in the sun, not your situation. So, so rather than entering into people's lack of joy, point them to the source of joy. Now, last thing here that, that I want to mention before we, we move on uh, is every single week we've been mentioning this opt-in challenge, and this week is no different. And, and this is a very practical way for you to continue to engage in what we've been talking about on Sunday mornings here throughout the week. And so uh, by texting different challenge to 94,000, you will receive a daily uh, text as it relates back to what we talked about here today on, on Sunday morning. And so if you call this place your church home, if you're beginning to lean into this conversation with Jesus, uh, I challenge you right now, again, text different challenge to 94,000. And it's also worth mentioning that if you opted into this last week, you got to keep re-opting in. It's like every single week, it's like where we did that intentionally. We're trying to re-engage every single week you go, yes, I, I want to continue to engage in this content. I want to keep moving closer to God. I'm telling you, if Grumlaw as a faith community gets this right, and I, I think for the most part we actually are, we won't be drawn to the window longing for what the world's offering. Instead, we'll be a people desperately trying to invite others into the joy that we're experiencing. Because come on, we've lived that rat race and we have experienced what so many of you are feeling that emptiness, those, those short-lived bursts of happiness that quickly go away. And, and we want you to get in on the, the better that Jesus offers, that the joy that comes from following your risen Savior, that the, the God who is so for you that he gave his life for you. Following Jesus, it's not an I have to, it's an, it's an I get to. 
that the greatest joy that we can possibly experience this side of heaven.